This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Brunson was in Dallas. He won two playoff games for the Mavs last year when Luka was out. And, And, you know, Luka's had help, it looks like, this whole time. He just has the ball so much you couldn't tell. Jalen Brunson, nobody thought of him like a star because he didn't have the opportunity to show that. Now, I'm not saying either of these guys will be what Jalen Brunson has been to the Knicks, but sometimes it be a little bit later in your career, and it just takes that opportunity for you to show what you can actually do. And, and, and I think both those guys are, are developing in the right way. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of rotational things that you can quibble about with Jacques Vaughn. I think Cam Thomas has proven that he needs to play. He deserves to play. He has earned uh, all of the playing time that he deserves and more, or that he has gotten and more. But when you think about firing Jacques Vaughn, first off, like Robin said, you can. KD left after one year of his contract. Jacques Vaughn could leave tomorrow. Jacques Vaughn could get fired tomorrow. It's it's Joe Sy's money if that's how he wants to spend it. In terms of a, of a statement of intent and a statement of stability, I like the extension because it shows that we are committing to having someone stay around for a long time. But when at the end of the day, that commitment doesn't necessarily really mean all that much because he can be fired if he if he does poorly. You know, we, we signed Steve Nash to a contract and then we fired him. We signed Kenny Atkinson to a contract and then we fired him. Those things don't necessarily matter. But when you're looking at this stretch of games, I'm not quite sure what people expect of Jacques Vaughn. And I think Cam Johnson's quotes actually kind of spoke to this a little bit. All of these players, this half of a new team that the Nets have brought in, has completely not only changed the Nets' play style, so that's gone for all the players that were already here, and has changed all of the play styles of all of these players that got brought in from disparate places. They are going to hesitate. They are going to be unsure about their defensive rotations. They are going to be unclear about what exactly their responsibilities are because, like Spencer Dinwiddie said, they haven't practiced yet. They're implementing a new system, and you can't expect that system to be implemented overnight when you make those types of changes. He is not the some amalgamation of Larry Brown and Phil Jackson and Red Arbach. He's not you know, that kind of a coach. But at the end of the day, you have to give him a little bit of leeway in terms of he has all of these players who have not played this system before. And if you are committing as a team to play a system which is what you should do when you do not have stars that dictate what your entire system is, there is going to be time to make that adjustment. And it has looked bad, but in spurts, it has looked good. And so when you're judging this season, you can judge it off of wins and losses, but I don't think you're going to get anywhere by doing that. If you want to actually take not only an optimistic view, but a realistic view of what the Nets are trying to do, you have to judge what happens next with the season for the players, for Jacques Vaughn, for the organization, for everybody 
as a tryout for future seasons because Jacques Vaughn is going to show things that will justify his extension and things that won't. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to if he shows more things that justify it than, than things that don't. And at the end of the day, I think he's going to. And even if he doesn't, the consequences of that extension are not very steep because at the end of the day, he can always be gone tomorrow if Josiah decides to. Yeah, so moving on from the Jacques Vaughn extension conversation, I'm not mad at it. I just think it was a PR stunt. I think it was a wholesome hire. I think it was a way for the Nets organization to create some news around the new direction that they're going. And uh, since then, it hasn't been going so great. The title of the episode, not looking good for the Nets. And uh, let's move on. I mean, the Knicks game last night, I want to send a message to Nets fans. I was on air right after, and uh, I don't know. I I've uh, switched gears. I'm, I'm a hockey fan. I'm watching the Devils. I didn't even watch the second half. There's no need. They were getting their doors blown off. Devils are a good on, team. I turn on Devils versus Avalanche. Who, who would have thought? Look at me. I'm an NHL guy now. What I want to say to Nets fans is don't let this consume you. I know that the Nets might be your favorite team. The NBA might be the only league that you watch. But you have nothing to do with the organizational moves. You have nothing to do with the players. Do not wear it to the point where, like, you're fighting Knicks fans and you're down about it and uh, you're stressing out and you're sick about this whole thing. It's okay. Like, let the Knicks have their time, right? We had our time. We beat the Knicks nine games in a row. We were on top of the world, right, or at least on top of the Nets world. And in this city, when these Knicks fans wanted to talk about their fan base and New York forever and who runs New York, we had three years. It's been three years since the Knicks have been able to beat the Nets back-to-back games, right? They haven't done that since Kobe died. I literally went back and looked. It was January 26, 2020, when we lost Kobe, and uh, Hey uh, didn't um, show up to the game. That was the last time the Knicks were able to win back-to-back games against the Nets. So three long years, that's pent-up frustration, that's misery, and now they're letting it all out. It's fine, right? I saw somebody write to me, oh, the bullies are getting bullied. I'm like, what bullies do you see on the floor for the Nets? Like, the bullies are gone. Like, the superstar talent is in Phoenix, right? KD made his debut last night. And uh, I don't know if you're rooting for KD or not. I still enjoy watching KD hoop. Like, he was he was still super efficient. This guy missed two months, and he doesn't miss a beat. He's still a, a rare talent uh, just, you know, in his head. He thinks that it's okay to, you know, jump jump the ship and, uh, you know, jump on with other teams. Uh, but I'm trying to focus this on the Knicks and this game. So, you know, in talking about the trolling and the back and forth, Mitchell Robinson last night threw us actually a bone. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. These Knicks fans and players are feeling themselves. They were partying like it was 1999 in the locker room. And I guess that got to Mitchell Robinson's head. This guy went Twitter fingers and uh, put a tweet out. And what I think is hilarious about the tweet is that he said he was (laughs) standing 10 toes down on it. 
he deleted the tweet, but let's see if we can pull it up. I, I think I screenshot NBA Central. They Well, not that one. NBA Central put up a deleted tweet from Mitchell Robinson where he says, fun fact, best center in New York, and I'm standing 10 toes on that. If you're standing on something 10 toes down, you can't delete the tweet. So if you want to run through the uh, NBA Central tweet and then Hudson's tweet and then Mitchell Robinson's tweet, so here's the deleted tweet. Like, why would you take it down if you're standing 10 toes down on it? It's a shot at Nick Claxton, who everybody this year has put respect on that young man's name, defensive player of the year, accolades. Uh, He was getting all-star votes. And you can just watch for yourself. Nick Claxton has come a long way. He's shooting better from the free throw line, his bag as far as like his his offensive game, his moves in the paint, his defense. Um, You saw him against Giannis the other night. And uh, Mitchell Robinson, I guess, was just feeling himself, you know, freshly being back a couple games. Hudson weighed in because I guess he slept on it, Mitchell Robinson, and woke up. And he's like, y'all take shit to the heart too much, bro. Really, he was just having a little fun. Y'all take stuff too serious. It blew up overnight. Every NBA outlet, all these fans weighed in. And Hudson's like, yeah, you're corny, bro. Like, how can you say something and say you're standing on it, then retract it, and then say everybody takes it too serious? So uh, that was I, I looked at that as Mitchell Robinson throwing Nets fans a bone. Like, hey, they should have just said less. Well, you know, it's funny. The, the part about tanning, standing 10 toes and then deleting it is humorous. I actually don't mind Mitchell Robinson thinking that, saying that, putting into the universe. That's his prerogative. He outplayed Nick Claxton. Claxton hasn't played very well since the trades. Um, though I, I do like the, the idea of him kind of getting the ball and pushing it up the court, which is something that the, the Nets are experimenting with. He's had a better season than Mitchell Robinson overall, but I, I don't mind that. What, what I find um, kind of interesting is how consumed Knicks fans still seem to be with the Nets. You know, like, at this point, it should be about the Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks can't lose a game. They're, they're smoking teams. Jalen Bruss is the player of the month in, in February. Like, all these things are, are good things for the Knicks, but they're still talking about the Nets. So I, I do think that says something uh, about where the Nets are um, at least rent free, rent free, rent free, bro. Rent free, rent free, rent free. Yeah, the, the rent is high in New York, but not in their heads. And we got another premium chat from Joel who says playing Cam, or I think he's referencing Thomas now, gets some experience and ups his value. Look, the guys that I would be running out there for extended minutes together are Claxton, Bridges, Johnson, and Thomas. You know, the, the rest of it, you can mix and match. Those are the guys that I would have on the floor for the majority of the yeah, and going back to the Mitchell Robinson comments, I mean, anyone with a pair of eyes knows that Nick Claxton is a better player than Mitchell Robinson. But Mitchell Robinson's a good player. He's a good player. I think he, if he was on the Nets, I would think he was great. He he is a good player. He's not as good as Nick Claxton. And I think, I will say, I agree to a certain extent that Nick Claxton hasn't played very well, but his performance against the Bucks in that in that last game was was very impressive. And in uh, playing against a player that supposedly is higher uh, in the deep boy rankings than him and Brooke Lopez. I was, I was very uh, impressed with that. And, you know, there, there is something to be said for his attitude seems a little different, but I'm not in his head. I'm not in the locker room. Right. I, I don't know what's going on at the end of the day. He took the James Harden trade pretty hard. These are his friends. These are his teammates. And he's still a young guy and, you know, losing your friends, losing your teammates like that is never easy. I mean, you look at players, 
as like stoic as someone like um, Jared Allen, Big J talked about how sad it was leaving Brooklyn, right? He talked about all that stuff. It, it's just the, the people, people, people kind of forget that these are people and not What's just it? players. Yeah, let, me, let me add to this so I don't forget it. But like, that's a big part of just the NBA trade deadline in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith went on vacation with um, uh, Reggie Bullock, I believe. And he's like, what am I, like, that's my brother. What am I supposed to do? Like, not go on the vacation we planned because I got traded? 